the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Perch. I'm your host as always, and I must say, delighted to have for the very first time on the show a guy who I've wanted to get on for a very, very long time, the brilliant Jonathan Johnson at John underscore Ligossip, a fantastic French football journalist. Uh, he is one of the, the best French football journalists out there. I follow a couple. Uh, this guy's work is always superb, so if you get a chance, give him a follow. Delighted to have him on the show for the first time. Let me ask, first of all, Jonathan, how you doing, Paul? Very well, thank you. And yourself? Doing all right, doing all right. We're in two different parts of the world. I'm in Los Angeles and you are in France, if I'm correct. Is that right? Yep, Paris. You're in Paris. So, um, unfortunately, we have, uh, in my language, we have an idiot running this country at the moment um, with the coronavirus. Uh, How are things in France? Uh, no, things have been uh, sort of getting back to something close to normal the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, when France went into lockdown, uh, everything was quite quite severe. Some of the measures put in place, you couldn't go out, mm-hmm. uh, even to go and do uh, sort of uh, grocery shopping without a sort of a written form uh, detailing that you'd be out for, for an hour at a time. Uh, and you could maybe go out for a sort of a run or a walk for a bit of exercise in the evening. Uh, but for the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, the, the, the measures have been gradually easing. Uh, and, and it's now sort of back to something close to uh, normality, even if there are still things, uh, you know, for example, uh, concert venues and, uh, and, and bars with the, that are still closed. Well, this, the irony here, Jonathan, is you're sending somewhat back to normality, but yet at the beginning of this pandemic, France was one of the first countries to, um, to, shut, their, to shut their league down. And at the time, it seemed quite a visionary decision. In hindsight, maybe not so. Um, what's your take on, should, did, were they a bit hasty in cancelling the season and resuming on August 23rd, I believe is the date? I think there's two points of view, uh, you know, with regards to, to the season being ended early. One sort of from the, the footballing point of view and one sort of from the, you know, the, the, the humanity, the sure. personal you. Uh, and I think in terms of how it's actually going to have worked out for the French public and uh, the French players, only time will tell. You know, if there's a second wave of, uh, of coronavirus, then I think that, you know, there will be uh, a change in the, the attitude towards France's decision. And people will say, well, actually, you know, maybe it was the right choice uh, after all, especially if there are problems with, say, the end of the, the Champions League mm-hmm. uh, in August. Uh, there's already problems in Lisbon, in Portugal over the last couple of days. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how, uh, you know, that sort of evolves, especially as there's supposedly no plan B in place if, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if something were to happen in, uh, in the city and, the, the, you know, the competition couldn't be finished. Uh, in, from a football point of view at the moment, uh, it obviously looks to have been, uh, you know, too hasty, the decision. Uh, it's caused massive problems domestically, uh, you know, basically administratively relegating teams uh, like Toulouse, like Amiens. Uh, and 
it's you know it's also shooting uh, the domestic clubs still left in European competition in the foot yeah. because it's going to be very difficult for PSG uh, and Lyon to compete now uh, in the Champions League and you know hope to you know hope to make a, an even deeper run. PSG already in the quarterfinals. Lyon uh, have the advantage over Juventus at the moment, uh, you know, but they still have the second leg to to, to resolve there. So at this moment in time, from a football point of view, uh, it does seem to have been too hasty. Uh, you know, whether it ultimately turns out to have been the right decision, uh, you know, I think only, you know, we're only going to know that sort of in the next 12 to, to 18 months. But at this moment in time, from a solely footballing, uh, uh, you know, standpoint, it, it, it does seem to have been, a, you know, a hasty decision. Certainly, I, I get com- accept completely what you're saying from a human, human perspective. You can never be too cautious. Uh, obviously, there's a sporting aspect to this. The, the, then the knock-on effect is we know what PSG are. We know financially their situation. But what does it do to the rest of uh, French football, not just in Ligue 1, but in the second division? What does that do financially to the rest of the clubs, Jonathan? has done you know very very bad things to to french football i mean as soon as uh, you know french football went on pause there were big problems with the the tv rights deal uh, you know there was a massive uh you know, sort of very public uh, battle between the clubs uh, and the likes of uh, the likes of being sport, the likes of, of Canal Plus, uh, because there's a big TV deal coming in for for the start of the 2020-21 season with uh, with Media Pro, uh, and Canal Plus knew that they were always going to leave, uh, so it basically meant that the you know, the TV rights holder, well, Canal Plus in this in this case, uh, you know, were, was sort of able to sort of rinse their hands of the of, of the business. Uh, and being sports had to had to negotiate with the with the clubs uh, in order to find some sort of compromise because obviously they couldn't pay it, they couldn't pay for matches that hadn't or were never going to be played, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But there were games that had already been played that they owed money for. So eventually there was a there was a compromise reached there. Uh, but that didn't just affect Ligue 1, uh, you know. That also affected Ligue 2 as well because when the TV rights deals are you know are sorted out, it's normally for both professional tiers. Uh, and you know, sort of further down the semi-professional third tier, uh, that's more uh, you know within the remit of the the French Football Federation, the FFF, and not the LFP. Uh, so they've had very different ways of of, of dealing with it. The, the you know the two the two governing bodies, uh, and really at the end of the day, what this has just created is a big mess. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's been teams relegated administratively. Uh, there've been teams promoted. Uh, you know based on sporting merit but you know sort of in a very debatable circumstances because there's only been a couple of points in it uh you know so basically this decision has created a massive amount of controversy controversy that's still raging uh in some quarters you've still got people very very vocal about the fact that the season should have been able to be played especially given that other european uh, countries notably germany have managed to you know to see the season out do you think if they had that decision to make over again, um, they would play a lot sooner? Because there's also been discussions in France that they could possibly, by August, have fans in the stadium. So um, do you think that that decision to make over again, they play it earlier, they, they wouldn't postpone it to August 23rd? And is there a possibility by August 23rd we could have fans in the stadium? Yeah, the, uh, you know, I think if they knew what they knew now, uh, they mm. probably would have held on a bit longer to try and finish the season, uh, especially given the fact that fans could be allowed back in stadiums to, to watch matches, uh, you know, sort of from, from later this month. The idea is that around mid-July, 
you should be able to have around 5,000 people in attendance in a, in a football stadium. The hope for, for French football is by the time that the domestic cup finals are to be played, which is at the end of the month, uh, that there will be around 25,000 people allowed uh, to be watching the matches in the stadium, which is you know, a fairly significant number considering that we're watching yeah. matches behind closed doors at uh, this moment in time. So I think if obviously you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if the, the French government and the, the French footballing authorities could have known the way that the situation would uh, evolve over the last couple of months, then yeah, I think the, the decision would have been different. And you know, also if they'd have known how much trouble uh, legally this would have created uh, you know I think that they definitely would have made a, a different decision but you know as I said earlier you know we're not going to know if it was the right thing to do for for all the people connected to, to football uh, until much later on down the line. Yeah I want to ask you about the futures of a number of players uh, we'll get into the likes of Kamavinga uh, some of the other players in a minute but I want to talk to you about the top end because we know that uh, PSG have to get creative with FFP anyway uh, you would imagine with lost revenue, this puts them in a very difficult situation. Um, lots of rumors that uh, Mbappe could be running down his contract. If that is a very realistic thing, do PSG look at that situation and say, look, we need the sale, we need the money, because um, uh, we've got lost revenue from the league being cancelled, it's difficult enough to comply with FFP, um, or do they take their chances and assume that he will extend his contract? Because it would appear, if reports should be believed, Jonathan, that the reasons why he wants to leave won't change in another year. Is it possible that they could look to sell him? I mean, I think at this moment in time, it's, it's very difficult to say. Mbappe has always been quite clear with PSG, for, uh, from what I'm told, in that he wanted to see how the Champions League panned out this season before deciding to commit his future to the club or not. He wanted clear signs that progress had been made. And in reaching the quarterfinals for the first time in a couple of seasons, PSG have started to make some progress. So, you know, that in itself is quite positive. I mean, also, if you look at the way that the Champions League is supposed to finish this campaign uh, in the fact that it's not going to be played over two legs, it's just going to be sort of, you know, elimination matches all the way up until the final. That kind of plays into PSG's favour as well. I mean, okay, they are going to be in a in the the, the rare position for them of, of being underdogs, considering that they're overwhelming favourites in pretty much any match that they play uh, domestically and and continentally, at least until the latter stages of a competition like this. But in terms of of Mbappe there's not really going to be any any change with regards to his future uh, until the, the Champions League comes to its conclusion. If PSG were to reach, say, the, the semi-final or the final, uh, you know, or, or even better, you know, I think that Mbappe would see that there's been enough progress made and perhaps be more open to continuing the contract talks that the club, crucially, have already opened with him. Uh, but at this moment in time, he's very reluctant to commit uh, until he knows exactly what the situation is. And to be fair to, be fair to him, he was clear about that. He's been clear about that for a long time. And PSG have been clear for quite a while that they would like to extend his contract uh, and basically put him on the same standing as, uh, as, as Neymar within the club, certainly from a financial point of view. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of big names going through the exit door at the moment, the likes of Thiago Silva, the likes of Edinson Cavani, Tom Munier has already been announced by Borussia Dortmund, Tongi Gressi has already been picked up by, by Bayern Munich. 
so PSG would have the money to put into uh, Mbappe's contract, but they've also got to think about other areas of the squad that need strengthening. And like you said, Leonardo has already hinted at needing to get creative this summer in order to bring players in. I don't think that uh, you know that those sorts of transfer limitations would prevent PSG from offering Mbappe a lucrative new contract, particularly if they go further than the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Uh, you also imagine that uh, this is the young man that whatever contract PSG offer him, you know he's going to be able to demand pretty much whatever he wants. You would imagine Mbappe's reasons for leaving would be football, and it's almost like if they win the European Cup, maybe I. It also prompts him to leave to say, okay, I've done, I've done it here. I'm going to move on somewhere else. Who knows? He's going to be a young man in demand. Speaking of Neymar, a uh, bizarre situation that he lost a court case for Barcelona. Uh, he has to pay them six and a half million, I believe. Uh, they're no longer in a financial position to be able to buy him. Um, doesn't look like he's going to be able to leave PSG even if he wanted to. Uh, what's the situation between Neymar, PSG fans and the club? I mean, the relationship has been repairing itself uh, over the you know the course of the the season. Uh, obviously, PSG fans were very vocal in the way that they felt about him at the beginning of the the 2019-20 campaign. There were you know a lot of uh, a lot of shows of of, um, of anger in the stadium from the fans, particularly the ultras. Uh, but Neymar's worked hard, uh, showing his commitment to the PSG project since he was not granted the the return to Barcelona. Uh, you know, and has actually sort of been won over by the situation that he finds himself in in Paris. Uh, you know, and, and is, is confident that he's in the right place to, to succeed uh, in the in the medium to the the medium to long term. And it's you know, it, like like you said, he knows now that Barcelona don't have the money um, you know to come in and get him anytime soon. Uh, you know, Barcelona you know seem to be in disarray from the outside looking in. Uh, and you know, I think he must see that as well. And, you know, um, he, it's it's widely reported, and it's talked about regularly by the likes of Lionel Messi and the likes of Luis Suarez that he's still in contact with the, the Barcelona squad. So I don't see how he could be given the impression that Barcelona are going to be coming to, uh, you know, to, to to buy him anytime soon. When PSG have been very clear about their valuation of the of of him, uh, and the fact that they won't accept anything less than that. Uh, and, and they don't want to accept players in part exchange. They want money and money only. So I think Neymar knows that he's going to be at PSG for at least uh, another season. And basically it's up to him to, to do his talking on the pitch, uh, you know, and convince a club like Barcelona, uh, you know, to stump up the money for him when they can afford it again at some point in the future or to, to reignite the interest of somebody like uh, Real Madrid who have shown interest in him over the years uh, but you know seem to have, have moved on to the idea of bringing in uh, Kylian Mbappe uh, instead of him at some point in the future. Maybe don't tell your fans that your favourite game is the game <laughs> not PSG out of the Champions League and uh, quite incredible how they've gone out of the Champions League to Barcelona and to Manchester United which <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big United fan. I, I still will never know how United won that game. But um, I want to move on and ask you about a young man that's making headlines around the world. A magnificent young talent in uh, Camavinga. Uh, I think he's only 17. Uh, he's already playing first-team football. Uh, how, highly is, how highly do you rate him, Jonathan? And uh, is he likely to move on this summer? If so, where? 
I rate him very highly. Uh, I think he's a very, very talented player. Uh, it's been very exciting watching him explode onto the scene with Ren. Um, I don't think he'll be on the move this summer because the money that Ren wants would want, would want for a talent like him. I don't think any club, even Real Madrid in this climate, uh, you know, could meet that asking price. But also before... Uh, what are they looking on, for him? Well, how, much, how much are they looking for him, roughly? We're talking about at least 80 million euros, which, mm. you know, would basically be the entire summer transfer budget, even for a club like, uh, like a Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, and... It, you know there was a there was an agreement in place before Olivier Letton uh, was replaced as uh, as Ren president that Camavinga would stay if Ren qualified for Champions League football and with the way that the season was brought to a premature close uh, in Ligue 1 they have qualified for the Champions League so you know I can see Camavinga staying at least until the the winter transfer window. I don't really think a, you know, a big transfer like that would happen in the winter. So for me, he'll stay for one more season. Uh, you know, we'll probably be talking about this kid uh, this time next year. Uh, and you know, he may well have already made a, a move to a big club like a Real Madrid. They're very keen on him. Uh, I just think that the economic situation in football at this moment in time dictates that there's probably not going to be a club that's going to come in and pay the money that Ren would want in order to let him go. I want to ask you two more questions. I want to ask you about this magnificent young talent, uh, lead striker, uh, Victor Ozeman. Uh, Napoli allegedly and very interested in him. A number of clubs quite like the look of him, uh, such as with Camavinga, rumours to be about 80 million euro asking price for him. Uh, tell me what your opinion is on him, Jonathan, and uh, is he likely to leave this summer? Yeah. It looks likely that he will leave if uh, you know if if a club can meet Lille's asking price. I think the idea for Lille was that they would have had a, a deal sewn up, um, you know, quite early in the summer before the the situation changed. And now, because it is quite unclear when the international transfer window will open, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for French clubs, it's uh, it, it it's it's a, it's a very a uh, complicated situation. I think the idea was that he would go to a Premier League club. There seems to be a lot of clubs interested in him. Newcastle, for one, assuming that their their proposed takeover actually happens, uh, you know, uh, mm. were apparently willing to spend big on him. Uh, and and Aussie Men himself, uh, you know, was not keen on a move to Italy. He, fa- he he feels that his skills are better suited to a Premier League move. But at this moment in time, it's Italian clubs who are showing more interest in him. Another interesting thing with uh, with the interest from Napoli uh, in Aussie Men is the fact that uh, Napoli are also very interested in a move for the the leader defender uh, Gabriel. Yeah. You'd assume that that would be a move to perhaps replace uh, somebody like Khalidou Koulibaly, uh, you know. And if that were to happen, uh, you know, I think we're we're looking at potentially a double swoop there from from Napoli, which might make it, uh, you know, more uh, more more viable. But whether or not a, a Premier League club comes in uh, and can match the the asking price or the the economic um, value that that Lille would get out of selling those two. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see because uh, Gabriel is another player who's attracted a lot of interest and was expected to move on quite early this summer. But because of the way that the transfer window has been staggered, uh, you know, obviously he's still a little player at this moment in time. Last question, Jonathan. I must say thank you so much. This has been brilliant. I really appreciate you coming on. I'd love to get you back. I uh, want to ask you about uh, Papagwai, this incredible situation where Watford appeared to have him signed. It almost reminds me of the John Obi Mikel transfer. 
uh, Watford appeared to have him signed on a free. Uh, his contract was up uh, from the half. Uh, and uh, Marseille have just announced his signing. What on earth happened there? What did Marseille pay for him? Did they pay anything? Did they cancel a contract? How did this happen? How did this come about? Um, it's the, you know, there's a lot of questions that are still unanswered. <laughs> I mean, basically, as, as far as I know, I mean, I was asked to provide uh, some insight for Watford uh, after they'd announced his signing uh, earlier this year. Uh, so Watford were very, clearly very keen that they, uh, sorry, very, very convinced that they'd, uh, you know, completed the deal for him. Um, my understanding of it is that, uh, you know, Gay has since changed agent uh, mm. and his new advisor, who's more of an advisor than an agent, he's, he's actually a lawyer, um, basically said that the contract, the pre-contract agreement that had been signed between Gay and, and Watford, uh, you know, didn't actually stand up to, you know, to, to legal scrutiny uh, and basically wasn't worth uh, the paper it was written on. Uh, you know, whether or not Watford launch uh, some sort of legal challenge in the future, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but the, the the player exclusively told Lekip uh, about a week or so ago that he wouldn't be signing for Watford. Uh, my understanding is that he realised uh, after initially agreeing to join them uh, that he would actually be farmed out to Udinese in Serie A uh, before making the Premier League, which is what happens to quite a number of players that are signed, uh, you know, by by Watford. Yeah, uh, and. He decided that he didn't want that. Uh, his legal representation um, had seen enough from the the, the 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 business that had been done with Watford to know that there there was enough wiggle room in there for him to perhaps make a move within France. There was links between him and Angers uh, before the the Marseille interest came in, uh, and as you said, now uh, Marseille have announced officially that he's signed for them. Technically, I mean, it seems to it seems to have been done on a free a free transfer. We'll have to see if Watford gets some compensation out of uh, out of Marseille somewhere along the line. Uh, but at this moment in time, it seems like uh, Gay has has left Love as a free agent and signed for Marseille. So the assumption at this moment in time uh, is that there's been no money that's changed hands. Uh, and in any case, you know, Marseille are not in a strong enough financial position to be spending very much on players at this moment in time. So. Uh, you know, we will have to see what the developments are with regards to, to you know, to Watford's position in all of this. I'm sure that they will want to have their say at some point, uh, but for the moment, he's you know he's now a, he's now a Marseille player, uh, and there's there's been no sort of figures bandied about yet as to any potential compensation. Interesting, Jonathan. I must say, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Like I said, I've wanted to have you on for quite a long time. I really appreciate you making the time to do this. I've admired your work for a long, long time. Folks, if you're not following Jonathan, go follow him at John underscore Legacy. Uh, one of the best voices on French football out there. Uh, fantastic content. Wish you all the best, Jonathan. Thanks for doing this for me, mate. Much appreciated. Well, thanks a lot for having me on, my friend. And uh, I'd be delighted to come back on at some point. It's been my honour. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Take care. Bye-bye.